electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, precious metals, shorts, and a trip to space. The GameStop game continues. The winners, the losers, and the billions in play. When you're trading at 20 times what you were a couple of weeks ago, there's something besides fundamentals that are at play there. And silver finally ready for a shiny front page moment. Silver's ready to go. Ready to go. Ray McGuire, the banker now running for New York mayor on the challenges for big cities and beyond. George Floyd and COVID have revealed the inequities that we have known existed for quite some time. Those stories plus the civilian crew headed for space. It's Tuesday, February 2nd, 2021. It's Groundhog Day. Rise and shine and don't forget to put your booties on because it's cold out there today. Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. Happy Groundhog's Day, everybody. I'm Becky Quick along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. And Joe, I love it when you reprise the movie, but you better not call me a hairdo. That's all I'm thinking with it. But yeah. <laughs> Gotta love okay. this movie. Gotta love the song. You know, I've got, right, as you know, I've got other networks interested uh, in me, the QVC. <laughs> shopping mm-hmm. channel? Yeah. That's also from. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, shopping. That's, that's, that's also from. Mm-hmm. I, that quote wasn't even Bill Murray. So I've memorized even the quotes from the guys on the, uh, you know, on the radio that comes on every morning. So it's, it's well, pretty you sad. You watch that it's enough times, sad. like we all have. Yeah, you tend to pick up on some yeah. of these things. First up today on the podcast, the state of play on GameStop, the biggest of the big Reddit-hyped stocks, slid more than 30% in Monday's trade, is a further fall to come. GameStop has had a wild ride recently after exuberant retail traders sparked a short squeeze in the stock. That meant that the professional traders who had bet against the mall retailer were forced to buy it to limit their losses, pushing the price even higher. At this point, you've been watching this, guys. Uh, I got a 138 bid, so down 30% yesterday to, two, to 225, and now down from 225, uh, I got it at 140. I got, a, yeah. I got a 138 bid right now, so 30% yesterday, 37% um, today. I don't know what to say about that other than we said all along, when, when the shorts get covered, what's it worth? What's it worth? When the shorts get covered, did anyone ask that question? Uh, well, we did, obviously, but uh, yeah, a lot um, of people. I don't know what the, the company is. I, I don't know what the company is actually worth. And, and I love the, I love when people say, you know, maybe the, the Chewy guys got some some great plans. Who knows? Maybe maybe they do. Maybe there's some online business model uh, that works for a brick and mortar, right? I mean, that's that 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 I guess you could you could somehow justify you know, a 2,000% run-up, but I don't know. What do you think? Is this, does this go back up to 500 at this point, or is the fever broken at this point? 
Look, I, I wouldn't proclaim to know what's going to happen with different investors who try to get in and run with this. We knew from the beginning that you may double a stock, and, and that looks outrageous enough. But when you're trading at, at 20 times what you were a couple of weeks ago, there's something besides fundamentals that are at play there. So I think it'd be almost right. impossible to say because it hasn't been a fundamental um, move that's been driving this for quite a while. Right. And it, Hollywood's weird, isn't it? There's a couple of movie versions uh, in the works already. They have, I, I hear when they make a movie, they make three different endings. They have no idea well, yeah. what the ending of this is going to be. Take what, a while wouldn't that they matter get to that. On, on the... In- ben Mesrick is doing one of them. <laughs> but on the, and, you know, it, he did the social network before. This one's the anti-social network. The I, would, anti-social I would sign up for that. Well, I, I'd, like to have, I'd like to have some idea what the ending is going to be before I sign on. I guess maybe it doesn't matter. Now, Robinhood, the free trading platform of choice for Reddit rebels, has raised an additional $2.4 billion from shareholders to help it ride out the costs of this trading frenzy. But that brings Robinhood's total capital infusion to almost $3.5 billion since just last Thursday. That's more than the company had previously raised in the eight years since its launch, and that influx allowed Robinhood to uh, raise the limits on trading and some of those volatile stocks. For example, users can now buy 20 shares of GameStop or 20 options contracts today. That's up from one share just yesterday. Separately, the House Financial Services Committee is planning a hearing on Robinhood. That's going to happen on February 18th. It's called GameStopped. Who wins and loses when short sellers, social media and retail investors collide? A political report says that CEO Vlad Tenev is expected to testify at that hearing, guys. And when you think about the $3.4 billion, one of the things to just remember is the way some of this is structured, from what we understand, is a coupon, effectively. So there's a little bit of almost a a convertible debt instrument. I I don't want to call it a debt instrument because I think it's being described as equity. But in terms of valuation, it relates to a discount uh, to uh, almost a guaranteed discount to the IPO price. in terms of how, in terms of how this is all set, so all of, so all of these investors, some of whom were there before, trying to protect their previous investment, others who may be quote unquote clipping a coupon, if you will, all the way up and hoping for this this intended IPO in the future. Right or SPAC, <laughs> or SPAC might be easier. Right? A SPAC doesn't, yeah, yeah. It could be a SPAC. I don't know if a SPAC helps them. I, I actually only, at one point thought maybe that we, you'd find a SPAC hope. buyer. Yeah. But you'd figure you'd need, you'd need, you know, you can't raise money on what the IPO price is going to be. You would, to, to do it at this point, you would want, obviously, a discount. And that, uh, that's, that's a lot of money that the company's raising, though, when we've been questioning the, the entire uh, business model uh, for Robinhood. But it uh, looks like they're here to stay. Hey, 20 shares now you can buy. You know, that, that when you could buy one share, it, you can see why the conspiracy theorists say, hey, wait a second. You know, that's not right. But that's really all that the, the, the financial wherewithal was setting those limits. Right. It had nothing to do with we don't right. want, you know, we don't want people game stopping the system. They didn't have again. the money. So they didn't have the money to allow right, you didn't to, have the money. To, to buy more shares because they had Which to put is the not money nearly as sexy. We, we can get it back from you for two days. Not nearly as sexy. Not nearly as sexy a story. But, but it's uh, scarier for any of the investors involved with that. I mean, it is, yeah. The idea that you might go belly up, that's the, the scary thing with it. And I think that's why the CEO had been so you know, adamant that that was not their, their problem. That, you know, didn't, 
even bother going with the other stuff. But that, that they were so concerned about those right. liquidity questions. I think that was a much scarier thing for them to consider. I knew those guys were going to be right. Those commercials. I knew it. I knew it after 10 years. They're finally right. Silver has been surging. Now regulators are, uh, are weighing in. Leslie Picker, I know you've seen him. You watch any cable show. It's those four guys. Uh, Rubin, <laughs> I, I don't know. I they're, know they're exactly. Four of them. Silver's ready to go. It's ready to go. It could be a move that uh, and suddenly, you know what? You're going to be right sooner or later. And they, finally they yeah. are. I'm, I'm proud of them. You know what? It's, it's funny, Joe, you say that because I thought the exact same thing when I first was alerted to this story over the weekend. But uh, it's quite the story indeed. And now the commodities regulator weighing in yesterday evening with a statement saying that it is, quote, closely monitoring recent activity in the silver markets. The CFTC goes on to say that it's communicating with fellow regulators, the exchanges and shareholders, uh, stakeholders to address any potential threats to the integrity of the derivatives markets uh, for silver and remains vigilant in surveilling these markets for fraud and manipulation. Now, those two words Fraud and manipulation are the biggest regulatory concerns amid a frenzy that started in the equity markets with stocks like GameStop and AMC and has recently spilled over into the commodities market. Uh, there's a lot of finger pointing going on as well, guys. The Reddit forums largely agree that some nefarious hedge fund is moonlighting as a retail investor and pumping up silver on social media. So far, no one has taken credit for initially pushing the idea last week to buy silver, silver ETFs, silver miners, and physical silver. But regardless who is behind it, the, the momentum in the precious metal pushed silver to its highest level in eight years yesterday, although it's sharply down this morning. In addition, the CFTC uh, in addition to the CFTC, the SEC said last week that it's also monitoring the ongoing volatility in the markets. But remember, neither regulator has a confirmed commissioner at the helm yet, with those appointments still in limbo, guys. I should have listened to those guys. I just, I, I'm kicking myself. <laughs> kicking myself, uh, Leslie. <laughs> hey, we, we mentioned, and, and this has... You know what? It, nothing, history never repeats itself, obviously, uh, or, or not completely, but they say it rhymes, and this goes back. I mean, the, the silver market was possible to corner. It happened once. It happened with, with the Hunt brothers, and they did a bunch of other stuff, too, with the soybeans and, uh, and ran silver up to $50. We were talking about it yesterday. That's, that, that was when gold went from about $200 to $800, just like that. So, you know, I, I, I don't think any of the Reddit, uh, <laughs> probably Reddit traders... May, may need to, to Google that to, to see that actually some of this stuff uh, actually has some historical uh, precedence. We'll see what's hap what happens. Silver's unique, obviously, uh, that, that it has so many uses, so many industrial uses, in addition to being a, a store of value. Uh, not quite as many. Um, remember, it used to be in all the, whenever you'd go to the photomat uh, or, or Fuji photo film, remember some of that. Again, historical reference when silver was used a lot more, but but obviously, big industrial uses. So we'll see whether this is just speculation, Leslie, but uh, thanks for that report. Elon Musk's SpaceX is going to be flying its first mission to space with an all-civilian crew. It's going to take place later this year. And it, of course, is a major milestone for the space tourism industry. The four-person crew will be led by Jared Isaac uh, Men. Uh, he's the CEO of payment processing company Who. Uh, he's also a pilot. One crew seat is reserved for uh, St. Jude Ambassador, and the remaining two will be decided by online competitions. 
NBC's Tom Costello spoke exclusively to Musk and Isaacman, and Musk described what this mission means to him. I think, first of all, uh, I think people uh, will really enjoy uh, you know, seeing things vicariously from the video that is, you know, and the, watching the mission. It's like when, 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 uh, you know, when America went to the moon in 69, it wasn't just a few people. A humanity went to the moon. We all went there with them. Um, and I think it's, it's something similar here. We'll, we will all be with, with Jared on the journey, and we'll be seeing it in real time. Uh, and then, as I mentioned earlier, this is going to be uh, an important uh, it's an important milestone on the road towards making uh, access to space more affordable. Musk said the length of the mission was up to Isaacman, but uh, he's assuming it will last two to four days, and hopefully we will all go uh, on that mission uh, with them. Meantime, in other Elon Musk news, uh, he tweeted just this uh, over a couple hours ago, quote, off Twitter for a while. So looks like Elon may be taking a break here. I know the feeling. Times that I do that myself. I usually don't announce it, but there are times I just stop watching. Next on Squawk Pod, Ray McGuire, the former Citigroup vice chairman, is now running for New York City mayor. People love this city. What they're looking for is leadership. What they're looking for is management. They're looking for somebody who can bridge that divide, which is now so large. The ability to go from the streets to the suites and lead. We'll be right back. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin. New York City was the original COVID-19 epicenter in the U.S., and uh, about a year after it first hit, it's still taking a heavy toll on public health as well as business. A July report from the Partnership for New York City estimates as many as a third of the city's small businesses may never reopen. Joining us right now is in an exclusive interview to talk about bringing the city back, New York City's economy and uh, what it all means. Former Citigroup vice chairman and now Democratic candidate for Mayor Ray McGuire. Ray, it's great to see you this morning. Um, so many questions about the future of the city, so much concern uh, within the business community, within citizens of the city about how you bring uh, back this city. And I know you have uh, put together an economic plan uh, that I hope you'll share with us. Good morning, Squawk Box. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Next version. From the streets to the suites. Here we are. Great to see you all. Uh, Hollywood can make this up. Help us with this. I think everybody's trying to understand right now how how you or anybody is going to make sure that this city thrives in the future, given some of the numbers we've seen, frankly, given uh, the tax base that appears to be continually eroding. We're seeing business people uh, leaving the city in droves, uh, being more mobile than ever. You're hearing about people relocating to Florida and other places. What do you do about this? You know, it is a, you know, what we explained before when I was uh, fortunate to be here, honored to be here before, was George Floyd and COVID have revealed the inequities that we have known existed for quite some time, the inequities quite some time. 
systemic inequities in education, in the economy, in healthcare, and in the criminal justice system. What we need today is leadership that can move us forward in what I describe as leading the greatest, most inclusive economic comeback in the history of New York City. And what does that include? It includes the creation generation of 500,000 jobs, half of which will go to, as you've just outlined, small businesses, of which there one out of three is likely to be shut down forever. So we need to make certain that we inject into the small businesses. It's called go big, go small, go forward. The first part of go big is actually going small to focus on what is probably the most essential part of New York in our experiences versus the small businesses. And what we've outlined is a jobs accelerator where we take 50,000 jobs and we underwrite, we subsidize half of the half of the payroll for a year. That's number one. Number two, we want to have small businesses keep a 100% of their sales tax receipts for a year so they can reinvest in the businesses. Number three, we want to have city permits and liens delayed, deferred. And let's come up with a way so that we can structure that because what happens is that during these times, to the extent their fines get levied, there's no way that people can pay for this. We also want to make certain that for the small businesses that we, we negotiate some kind of relief. You know, I was just a couple of weeks ago in, in Brooklyn with Sweet Brooklyn, and we gathered a group of small business owners. And what they outlined was the fact that they still have to pay utility bills at 100 cents on the dollar, but yet they're making 10 cents on the dollar. So we need to be able to negotiate some kind of relief for those small businesses, either rent relief or both rent relief and utility relief. And then we need to make sure that we have what I call the comeback bank. And that is to put money into the CDFIs, the local banks, so they can make investments into the small businesses in the form of grants, low interest loans and equity, and also right. mentorship. And that's the go small part. And the other part to this, when I get to go big, it is infrastructure. We need to invest in infrastructure. And as you know, the federal government has outlined a plan to invest in infrastructure. And my plan for infrastructure is to make sure that we fix basic infrastructure, and that includes fractured bridges and sewage mains. Make certain that that basic infrastructure is working, and it also includes what we do with environmental, uh, the environmental crisis that we're that we're facing. Yeah, you got you got. Uh, Ray, Coney Island. Yeah, sorry, I was just going to say, Ray. All of this uh, sounds great, but costs a lot of money. And and the question is, uh, do you raise taxes? Who do you raise taxes on at a time when we keep hearing stories about some of the wealthiest uh, New Yorkers fleeing? And this is a this is an issue not just in New York City, but it's actually an issue in many, uh, many, many uh, cities and in states across the country, especially that have been hit with the salt tax, where taxes effectively gone up on everybody. What, what do you do to tell them uh, to stay and pay more if that's the case? Well, Andrew, what we know about New York is that New Yorkers like me. I love New York. People love New York. What New Yorkers need is leadership. They need leadership and they need experienced leadership. People don't want to leave New York. They just don't have confidence. New Yorkers need leadership in which they can believe that has a proven track record, who can get things done, who can also bridge the divide. Andrew, we need to bridge the divide. And so if they look at my track record and look at what I've been able to manage, remember, I managed through the crisis. I managed at the bottom of the, the, the last financial crisis that we had. I managed and built a team. I saw the stock go from $55 to 99 cents, and we had to invest. 
And so people love this city. What they're looking for is leadership. What they're looking for is management. They're looking for somebody who can bridge that divide, which is now so large. The ability to go from the streets to the suites and lead in someone in whom they can believe. New Yorkers don't want to leave. This is the greatest city that exists. Somebody who can who wants to grow, who is pro-growth, somebody who wants to make certain that the cultural experiences that we have here are as vibrant as they are anywhere. Invest in the arts and culture. Invest in arts education. People want to be here. The aspirations around the world are still to be in New York City. You make it here, then you have been vetted by the most difficult competition that exists anywhere. So people love New York. It's just that we don't have the leadership that people in, in which people can have confidence. So I am quite confident that when I get into the mayorship, that I'm going to be able to reach out to the, to, the, to, the, to the leaders in the city, in Cambria Heights, in Queens, in Harlem, in Brooklyn, in Staten Island, in Manhattan, to make sure that those leaders come together. We need to bridge that divide and give people the opportunity that I had and that many of our children need right. to have. This is about the children. This is about how we grow our way out of this. And when it comes to the budget, we know how to manage budgets. This is what we've had to do. So you cannot tax your way out of this. Yes, those who have the resources like me and others will have to pay more, but you need to make sure we got the quality of life. And we can't be more efficient. We can we can be more efficient, but we can't cut our way out of this. We have to grow our way out of this. What do you do about the relationship between the public and the police? This is something that uh, the business community often talks about as well, because the business community is often uh, calling for law and order and, and more safety. Uh, and yet there is also a demonstrable um, conundrum between the relationship that the police and the public in New York City do have. Listen, this is obviously very personal to me. It could happen to me, 6'4 black man, when on the day that we shot our launch video two blocks from my house, black driver and me got pulled over. So what do we need to do? We need to, we need to have what I call RAP, R-A-P, respect, accountability, and proportionality between the police and the community. Police and the community need to respect each other. Today, that trust has been breached. Why is that? Because those who are the serial abusers have not been held accountable. We've paid $200 million a year to settle cases from serial abusers. We need to address that visibly. And proportionality. We need to be able to have proportionate responses. It has been said, Andrew, that if the only thing that you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. In the black and brown communities, it's a sledgehammer. And so we need to make certain that we restore the confidence, we restore the trust. And how do we do that? We get, we make certain that we invest in the mental health care professionals. Four out of 10 calls that go to 9-11 have to do with mental health issues. We need to invest in the community organizations that can help, that can help intervene. We need to invest in the violence and the, the, the violence interrupters, like Life Camp in Queens with Eric Report. We need to invest here. And so I want better policing. I want to reallocate the police budget, reallocate to get into those services so that we can prevent the crime. Ray, uh, before I let you go, uh, just curious, since we've been talking about GameStop all morning, uh, it's, it's, it's a unique issue because it has to do with the reputation in part of Wall Street. And it, you have political leaders from uh, AOC on, on one side, Ted Cruz actually coming together behind this. Do you have a take on, on what's happening here? You know, I think we need to be mindful about how we regulate this industry and whether or not we've gone too far so that the casino-like atmosphere, the casino-like environment is one that prevails. So we need to come in and make sure that we manage this much better because the downside is that somebody is going to suffer pretty mightily in this. So we need to be very careful about how we manage instances like this and, and, and programs like this. 
So we need to be very thoughtful about that. Okay. Ray McGuire, it's great to see you. Uh, we hope to uh, continue these conversations uh, throughout the election and uh, look forward to talking to you again very, very soon. Thank Thanks, you, Ray. Thanks for having me, Squawk Box. Appreciate you. It's always good to see you. Thanks. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Methane management is a critical part of achieving a lower carbon future. Chevron is taking action to keep methane in the pipe. Their 2028 upstream methane intensity target is set to be 53% below the 2016 baseline. They're committed to evolving facility designs and operating practices. And they've trialed over 13 advanced detection technologies, including drones and satellites. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com methane. And that's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening on this Groundhog Day. Hey, did Phil see his shadow? I thought de Blasio killed poor Punxsutawney Phil. Drop him on his head or something? That was Staten Island Chuck. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Someone reminded me of something I said a couple of years ago that I, I should use again. I, I said, well, Punxsutawney Phil was wrong last year. But we're still going to have him on because certainly uh, being wrong about something doesn't preclude you from coming on this show. I mean, right? If you're a guest. (laughs) Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern and subscribe to Squawk Pod wherever you listen to podcasts. Tweet us at Squawk CNBC and we'll meet you back here tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, No one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.